Well, good morning, church. It is good to be here. And um, yeah, I, I don't want to over-egg it, but um, even our, our message today, even the passage we're looking at, by God's grace and his foresight, he speaks into some of the issues that we've been talking about today. He talks about God going out and he talks about going to be the God of the Gentiles and how there'll be one flock and one shepherd. And we know in the kingdom of God, there is no segregation. You know, in the kingdom of God, we're all one, regardless of our differences. And I, I just, we get to embody that truth here. We get to embody that love bet between one another that is so counter to the way the world is. I love the church for that. You know, the church, when we are the way God wants us to be, it's a great place to be when we're obedient and loving to one another. And that's what we are called to be. And so Jimmy and so many other young people that out there, they're put into different boxes and they're separated. In here, we're all one because we have one shepherd. And that's our Lord Jesus Christ. So we're looking today at John chapter 10. We're continuing our series and we're looking at verse 11 to 18. Jesus, tell me you are God without telling me you are God. I am the good shepherd. Did you ever watch the Superman movies? Hands up if you've ever watched Superman, the movie or the series or anything like that. What, a lot of us. One thing I never understood is how these idiots could not tell that Clark Kent was Superman. I thought, I don't, what the, bless it, Bob, is that you, Bob? Oh, you had your glasses on, sorry, I couldn't tell it was you, mate. He literally, he put on glasses as his disguise. That's it. And these fools couldn't tell that it was him. It was Superman. And sometimes when I'm reading the Gospels, that's how, that's how I see the Pharisees. I'm like, Jesus is standing in front of you and he's saying all of these things and he's doing these works. And you cannot see that it is God. Last week, um, we looked at verses 7 to 10. Jesus says, I am the door, didn't he? I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I'm the door to the fold. And this week, we're looking at the follow-up of that. It's, um, I am the good shepherd. So let's, re let's read that together. So it's, um, it's in John chapter 10, and it's verses 11 to 18. If, you, if you've got your Bibles, turn to it or turn it on. Um, you're a, you guys at the back are amazing. Thank you once again. I didn't prep them, I'll be honest. It was useless this morning, so thank you. So verse 11, here we go. Jesus is speaking to the Pharisees, and he says this. He says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. 
I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. There was again a division amongst the Jews because of these words. Many of them said, he has a demon and he's insane. Why listen to him? Others said, these are not the words of one who is oppressed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? And they asked that question, can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Because he's just healed the man who was born blind. So, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. And he says, the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. But the hired hand, if he sees a wolf come in, he's off. He's not hanging around. Why? He says, because he doesn't own the sheep. He doesn't own the sheep. And therefore, because he doesn't own the sheep, what does it say? He says, he cares nothing for the sheep in verse 13. And that's the first thing Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd. Now, if you imagine in real time, if a shepherd in those days actually hired somebody to look after the sheep, and that person's out looking after the sheep, and a wolf comes, teeth out, drooling, looking at this buffet of lamb in front of it, thinking, yes, it's, it's dinner time. Is that hired hand going to stick around and get in the way? Well, no. He's not going to risk his life for these sheep because they're not his sheep. That don't mean that much to him that he's going to lay down his life and risk his life. He's not going to die for these sheep. He's not going to fight this wolf for sheep that aren't his because he doesn't care for the sheep. And so the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep because they're his sheep. He's responsible for them sheep and he cares for the sheep. That's what the good shepherd does. And so in verse 14, he, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father. We, a couple of weeks ago, we, we painted a picture of what these sheepfolds were like in the villages. And I told you that in every village there would be a sheepfold. And the shepherds of that village would share the one sheepfold. So they would all bring their sheep in by night and all the sheep of the different shepherds are all in one place. And then the gatekeeper would look after it by night. And then in the morning, the shepherd would come back and get his sheep. Now the shepherd knew which sheep were his. He knew which one were his. So when he calls them by name, they would hear his voice because they know him and then they would come. And the shepherd wouldn't take any sheep that weren't his. And he wouldn't leave any of his behind. Why? Because he knew his sheep. And so the, so, so the emphasis here is on the ownership. Jesus owns the sheep and he knows which ones are his. So it's speaking of ownership, but it's also speaking of the intimate relationship that a shepherd has with his sheep. And Jesus takes it to another level where he says, 
I know my sheep and my sheep know me. So he's talking about himself and his sheep. Does, does Jesus own actual sheep? Not that I'm aware of. He's talking about his followers. He's talking about his disciples. And he says, I know them and they know me. And this, these words to know, they, we can hear them differently depending on our cultures. So the, Greco, the, the Greeks at the time, if their understanding of to know something, to know meant to see to behold it, to gaze upon it. And so for them to know their gods, it was cognitive. It was philosophical. It wasn't, a, it wasn't a knowledge the way that we would say we know each other and that you have a relationship with that person. Their understanding was it was all up here. And to get a greater understanding, you had to spend time contemplating and gazing upon. But the Jewish understanding of knowing God was experiential you would experience God you would know him personally and you see this none more so than in the Psalms when you read the Psalms and you you listen to the words of the Psalmist this is somebody who has a relationship with God someone who can cry out to their God in times of need someone who can celebrate and praise their God somebody that can ask God questions there are questions in the Psalms Somebody that can take their anger to God and their frustration and their confusion. And so this is what Jesus was talking about here when he says, I know my sheep and my sheep know me. He's talking about having a real, true, intimate relationship. How intimate is this relationship? Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, we're talking about an eternal relationship. They have been with each other in eternity, for eternity, and they are one, he says, so many times through the book of John. I and the Father are one. A oneness, a unity, and there is a love that cannot be separated. This might ring to you the words of Romans 8, an unseparate, a love by which we cannot be separated. And so this is what Jesus is saying. Me and my disciples, me and my followers, we know each other. I know them, and in turn, they know me. And you might be sitting there this morning, and, and you know, I've, I've been there myself. I, I just want to know him more. Well, I just want to know him more. I want to, I want to hear from him. I want to hear his voice. And Jesus is saying, you will know me. I know my sheep and you will know me. It doesn't say you might know me. It says you will know me. Right? And we've got an eternity. Praise God. And so he goes, so he says, I, I know my own and my own know me. Now he's talking to the, he's talking to the Pharisees. Earlier on he said, you... You don't know my voice. Why? Because you're not one of mine. Sounds really harsh. But this is the reality. It, in um, verse 26, uh, Jesus says, My sheep in my voice, and I know them and they follow me. But in verse 26, he said, But you do not believe because you're not part of my flock. If you're my sheep, you would know me. The Pharisees hated Jesus. So they couldn't know him because they were not part of his flock. And then he says, if you, if you see if in verse 15, 
If you're reading along, he says, and I lay down my life for the sheep. So at one point earlier on, Jesus says, the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. Now Jesus is saying, I lay down my life for the sheep. Why? Because I'm the good shepherd. What's he pointing to here? When Jesus says, I lay down my life for the sheep, what's he pointing to? He's pointing to the cross. Why would he lay down his life for the sheep? That's the question. I'd, I'd, I, sometimes it's good to, because we know the story, don't we? We know Jesus died on the cross for our sins. You know, we, we break bread and we, we drink wine together every week. So we know the story, but the Pharisees didn't know the story. They couldn't see ahead. They didn't even understand that Jesus was talking about dying on a cross. So when he says that the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep, I want you to imagine that a wolf has come and the shepherd, it says he lays down his life. Why doesn't he say the shepherd fights off the wolf and kills the wolf? Why, why doesn't he say that? I mean, shepherd boy King David, he, he fought bears and lions. He sorted them out. Why don't Jesus phrase it like that? I fight them off, I fend them off. Why does he say I lay down my life for the sheep? I don't, if the shepherd dies, who's going to protect the sheep? So why is he laying down his life? I think, well I know, I know because I know the story, but it's, it's the means by which we can know him. Do you see how it says, I know my own and my own know me? Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. This union, this oneness, this relationship, Jesus has to buy that relationship. Why? Because of our sin. God is a holy God. He is a good God. And we have sinned. We have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Our sin has cut us off from this God. God hates sin. Have you heard that before? Do you know that? God hates sin. He is holy. And God is just. So he must punish sin. And I'm glad for it. But we're all deserving of punishment then, right? And so someone has to take our place. 1 Corinthians. Let me get this right. 2 Corinthians, for so, chapter 5, verses 18 to 21. I'm going to read this. This is why Jesus had to die for us. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusted to us the message of reconciliation. For our sake, God made him to be sin who knew no sin, that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Let me, I need to read that again. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin. Jesus was perfect. Jesus was spotless. Jesus knew no sin. And when he hung on the cross, this perfectly obedient man, he died in our place. And God made him to be sin, 
him who knew no sin. He died for my sin. He died for your sin. And he wipes you and washes you clean. Jesus took your place. He took my place. Why? That he may reconcile us to God. And so when Jesus says, I've got to lay down my life, what is the great foe? What is this wolf? Who is it that he must lay down his life to defeat it? It's death and sin. Sounds complicated. And I'm not making that clip. The wolf is sin and death. Our great enemy. Every single one of us must die. We have got no answer to it. We cannot fight this great foe. So how does Jesus fend off the wolf? How does Jesus defeat this great enemy? He dies in our place. And then, he doesn't just die in our place. He, he dies for our sins, right? He was pure. Then, he rises again. And this is what he says in verse 17. For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. Jesus, tell me your God without telling me your God. I have authority to take it up again. I have authority to die, and I have authority to raise myself from the dead. Tell me your northern without telling me your northern. Maybe a picture of Cain wearing his shorts in the snow. Tell me your northern without telling me your northern. Hope, tell me your Nigerian without telling me your Nigerian. You might show me a picture of you making jollof with long grain rice instead of, do you understand? <laughs> <laughs> Tell me you are God without telling me you are God. I can raise myself from the dead. And he lays his, he, and he says he does it voluntarily. I lay down my life. And he's pointing to his death on the cross. So these Pharisees, they're going to sentence him to death. The Romans are going to do it. They're going to beat him to shreds. They're going to nail him to the cross. Pontius Pilate is going to sentence him. And Jesus says, that's all going to happen, but I'm laying it down. I'm in control. I'm in control of that. I do it voluntarily. Because I'm, I have authority to do that. And I do it because I love you. Whilst we were sinners, God sent his son to die for us. That is how he shows his love for us. And I have other sheep, he says, that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock and one shepherd. He's talking to the Pharisees. He's talking to the religious leaders of Judaism. And he says to them, I have other sheep that are not of this flock. This flock, the Jews. And the other sheep are the Gentiles. Have we got any ethnic Jews in here today? 
Anyone an ethnic Jew? No. So we are all the outworking of this promise. We are the other flock. We are the Gentiles. We are all the one flock under the one shepherd. Every single one of us. Now we know as we read the letters in the New Testament, the, Jew the Jewish Christians, they really struggled with this. They still had their prejudice at times. Even the Apostle Peter, he didn't want to be seen eating with the Gentiles. But Jesus says there will be one flock and there will be one shepherd. There's one last thing I want to draw out of this text for your encouragement and for your comfort this morning. Jesus says this, and I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I have them, present tense. I own them, they are mine, I have them. I must bring them also and they will listen to my voice. So what does that mean? Jesus had us before we even heard his voice. Do you understand that? Jesus had us before we even heard the call, before we even heard the gospel. He knew you. He knew you. And he said, I must bring them. I've got to do it myself. And Jesus comes into our hearts, doesn't he? And he, and he calls out to us in, in different ways. As I said two weeks ago, we've all got different testimonies. He calls out to us and every single one of us to, to, to respond to the call of Jesus Christ. Come to me. Come to me and be forgiven of your sins. Come to me and be washed white as snow. Come to me and be guiltless. Come to me and be renewed. Come to me and be made holy. We were his before we even responded. And I'll tell you why that is a great comfort. Because he didn't leave my salvation to chance. Do you hear that? Jesus didn't leave your salvation to chance. I'm going to read this from Ephesians. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Listen now. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him even before he chose us, before the foundation of the world. So that's when Jesus says, I have other sheep and I must go and get them. He's talking about this. He's talking about knowing us before the foundation of the world. Do you not? So input your name into that. Jesus knew James before the foundation of the world. This is wonderful. This is wonderful that our shepherd knows us, that our shepherd is in control, that our shepherd, it says in Ephesians, that in love, in love, he predestined us to adoption. In love, that is the motivation. Do you want to, I know my shepherd loves me because he didn't leave my salvation to chance. I know that he loves me because he is faithful. 
I know that he loves me because he's in control. How can you be a good, what, what good shepherd? What, like, going back to the shepherd analogy, what good shepherd doesn't know what sheep are his? What good shepherd doesn't go after the sheep himself and says, no, do you know what, find your way back. You who are lost, just find your way back. Can sheep find their way back? They really can't. I'm no shepherd, but everything I read and hear about is they're a bit... I was going to say, I didn't want to say thick, but they are. They're very needy. They're very needy. A good shepherd doesn't leave it up to the sheep to come home when they're lost because they, you know what, they don't even know they're lost. They are just walking around, I don't know, eating whatever they eat when it's not grass. So the, the good shepherd doesn't do that. The good shepherd knows which ones are his and he goes and gets them himself. And so there is a great comfort this morning. So much comes out of this. You can know that God has a plan for your life, plans for welfare, because he knows you. I can't, I can't trust those promises. I can't trust in the promises of God without knowing that he is sovereign. And so that is a great comfort to us this morning. Jesus, tell me you are God without telling me you are God. If I'm looking at my tech guys now. Jesus, tell me you're God without telling me you're God. I am the good shepherd. I am. Remember Exodus chapter 3? God speaking through the burning bush. I am who I am. I am. Again, the good shepherd. Next slide. I am the good shepherd. I'm not a good shepherd. I am the good shepherd. I am the one and only good shepherd. I am the good. Good, if you translate it, it means noble. It means superior. It means excellent. It means perfect. None besides. Above all else, I am the good shepherd. And the last one speaks of his sufficiency. I provide for all of your needs. A shepherd provides for every single one of the needs of the sheep. Whatever your need is, directly or indirectly, the shepherd provides. The sheep never provides for itself. Never. And it rings of... Psalm 23. Psalm 23 is a psalm of David. He was a shepherd boy. He was a great king. And he prayed out to his God and said, you're my shepherd. So, it speaks of the deity of Christ. It speaks of the sufficiency of Christ. It speaks of the superiority of Christ. There is no one beside him. He is Lord of Lords, King of Kings, he is the good shepherd. And thank God that we can see, right? Thank God that he's opened the eyes of our hearts. So I, I want to pray. Um, and in my prayer, I'm, 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 I'm praying that you would know him as your shepherd today. Whatever it is you're going through, wherever you find yourself, you're his sheep and he loves you. He owns you, you're his. And he says that he's never going to let you go. That's what the good shepherd says. 
I'm never going to let you go. So let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for sending your son to die for us. Thank you that you didn't leave us lost and blind without hope, but you stepped into our mess. Thank you for taking our place on the cross. Thank you, Lord, for forgiving us, for we need your forgiveness, Lord, every single day. Thank you, Lord, for opening our eyes to this. And Lord, I just pray more and more that we, we would see how good you are. And this would result in our worship of you, Lord Jesus. Lord, we don't want to listen to any of the voices of the, of the thieves and the robbers and the wolves. Lord, you are our shepherd. Help us as a fellowship to keep our eyes fixed firmly upon you, Lord. You're our good shepherd. I, I pray for, for every single one of us in this room where there is struggle to trust, struggle to know, not feeling like we know you very well. Lord, help us to hold on to this truth. You came that we may have life and have it to the full. Holy Spirit, dwell among us, dwell in our hearts, and grow our affections for Jesus more and more. Each day I pray. Amen.